Uh, we don't always get new information when we study the Bible or when we hear a sermon. Um, you know, the, uh, I often wonder, you know, if I, 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 you know, it's not my goal to say anything new. It's really my goal to say things clearly. Um, you know, and that, that's what I, I hope to be able to do. I hope that each week, uh, particularly as we've been going through this, that each week you walk away with a deeper knowledge of God. And these weeks that we've been going over this, a uh, deeper appreciation for the heart of God. Uh, that, that is really one of the things that I hope we walk away with. Uh, today we're looking at the reality that God forgives. Now we all know that. At least in our head. You see, we, get, we, we have a hold of that in our head. Uh, now, some, people, some people would tell you they know God forgives, but uh, they would think that God's not going to forgive them. I've talked to people. I've had people very close to me that have that, that thought, yeah, God forgives, you know, but he won't forgive them. Um, you know, even, even uh, my brother said, I'm glad it works for you, Pat. It won't work for me. God will forgive. God does forgive. He will forgive. Uh, he's been very clear about that. I, I hope today that your understanding of God's forgiveness <clears throat> moves from your head to your heart. That it's more than just something you can say, but it's something that becomes a reality in your life. A reality to you and a reality through you. You know, not only that you, you know that he forgives, but that you see a greater depth of his forgiveness and that you know that he forgives you and that you feel, that you, you feel the reality of that depth of his forgiveness. Let's pray and we're going to look at our passage for today. Father, thank you for forgiveness. Thank you that we are not left on our own. We are not left to pay our own debt. You have done that for us. You have, you, you have indeed paid that debt that we owe, one that we could never pay. And you give it to us as a gift. You give us forgiveness as a gift. On a day in which we remember and celebrate mothers and we're reminded of how much they give, not because, not because we deserve it, but because they're, of their love for us. What a great reminder of your love. What a great reminder of your grace that pours out. So as we think together now through your word, make it real. Move it from our head to our heart, I pray. In Christ's name, amen. In the two chapters we read this week, um, I, was, I was drawn to the Isaiah 55 passage. Um, you can turn there, that's where we're going to be, Isaiah 55, page 675 in the Pew Bible. Um, I liked what Dane Ortland had to say as he opened up in chapter 17. You know, he opened this passage up in, his, in the book Gentle and Lowly that we've been going through. Uh, a little bit different angle stood out to me as I studied it. So, uh, you know, we'll be, we'll be looking at it there. The whole chapter is really full of great glimpses of God's heart, uh, full of great glimpses of his love for his people. Uh, we're going to concentrate on verses 6 through 9, but I want to start reading at verse 1, uh, where we begin to get a glimpse 
of the openness and provision that flows from God's heart. Follow along with me. Verse 1. Come, everyone who is thirsty, come to the waters. You, without money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend your money on what is not food and your wages on what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and you will enjoy the choicest of foods. Pay attention and come to me. Listen so that you will live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. The promises assured to David. Since I have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander of the peoples, so you will summon a nation that you do not know, and nations who do not know you will run to you. For the Lord your God, even the Holy One of Israel, has glorified you. Now, do you see, do you see the, you know, the loving, accepting, inviting heart of God there? I mean, in those verses, these first five verses, He welcomes all who come, it says. He provides all that we need, free to us at great cost to Himself. Uh, he gives life, it says. He opens the door to all nations to come to Him. This was something that would blow their minds as they, as they would hear these words from Isaiah. That somebody other than God's chosen people would be allowed to come in. And now the verses we're going to concentrate on today. Verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call to him while he is near. Let the wicked one abandon his way and the sinful one his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord so that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will freely forgive. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as the heaven is higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, as you look at these verses, verse 6 and the first half of verse 7 are directions to us. Uh, you know, some, some instruction, if you will. The second half of verse 7, it really expresses God's response, and it reveals His forgiving heart. And verses 8 and 9 express that, that chasm, that wide, that wide gulf between uh, our understanding of God and who God really is. Now look at verse 6. He says, we are instructed to seek the Lord, to call on Him, it says. That word translated seek, it literally means to tread or to follow. It, it, it speaks about to trample with the feet, as in beating down a path. As in beating down a path. You know, something that, that, is, that is used frequently. You know, something that, a, a, a way that is traveled often. You know, somewhere, it's not a once, it's not a once in a blue moon thing. This is a regular, a regular repeated, repeated action. He says to seek the Lord. Regularly, repeatedly do these things, he's saying. And the word translated call, it has the idea, I find this interesting, of accosting a person. Uh, you know, of, of uh, getting, getting, you know, their, getting their attention, if you will. It's used of, of the sound of a wild animal. It has, it has the, the, the picture there of an intense or urgent communication. Something with some feeling behind it. Not something done, you know, lackadaisically, but something done with some feeling, with some effort, with some intensity. Both of these words express a deliberate, intentional action. Not shy or, or reluctant at all, but with, with an action of importance behind it. 
This is what he's talking about. It's not a a casual laissez-faire attitude. It is action with intentional intensity behind it. So he's telling us, you know, to make a deliberate, diligent, intentional effort to move toward and connect with God. You know, to move toward and connect with him. Not simply, not simply, you know, a a lackluster, run-of-the-mill, repetitious event. What he's saying to us here, you know, is, is pursue God. Do it with urgency. Do it on purpose and do it with purpose. You know, put so not just an effort behind there, but make it a priority. Make it a priority, he says, to seek the Lord. You know, to seek the Lord, to call on him, to draw close to him. To study to know him better. To live more dynamically connected to him. You know, to, to, to be in that place and to put ourselves in that place where we, can, where we can connect better with God. You know, where we can see him, where we can sense him, where we can know him. You know, to, to if you will, sort out some of the clutter that's around us. Now notice, though, there's a warning there in that verse as well it says while he may be found while he is near it's not that he's going to leave us or hide from us i mean scripture is pretty clear he wants us to know him you know he wants us to draw near he wants us to understand him and he says that if we do seek him we will be that he will be found by us it's not that he's hiding i believe there is really kind of two main applications to these warnings as i was thinking through um, one is, you know, it says, while he may be found in the chaos of this world and the busyness that we bring into our lives. Seek the Lord in the midst of that busyness. Seek the Lord while he may be found in the midst of that busyness. Now, don't raise your hand on this question because this is really just something to evaluate between you and God. Do you feel busy? Maybe too busy? Maybe extremely busy? Uh, you know, there's your job, your home, your spouse, your kids, your grandkids, your friends, your hobbies, your involvements, your appointments. And we have all of these things, and they all take a little bit of you. They all take a little bit of your time. And all those little bits add up to a lot, and we sometimes feel overwhelmed. You know? And what we're, we're trying to mesh, we're trying to mesh the responsibilities, and, and we're trying to match all of the schedules, all of the commitments, you know, of all of these people and all of these organizations, because all of them aren't under our control, all of them aren't our choice. When I call the doctor and I want to get in, guess what? It's by his choice, not mine. You know, I have to I have to conform to to his schedule, not to mine. If I, you know, if I'm the kids have something at school, the grandkids have something at school, I conform to their schedule, not mine. You know, if I had something else that I needed to get done, it has to fit in. And we 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 run this battle. We you know we have this thing. And what happens then is we can't find time to seek the Lord. We're too busy to spend time calling on Him. And we wonder why he feels far away. It's not because he's moved. It's because we've ignored him. You know, you have to make a deliberate, diligent, intentional effort to move toward and connect with God. 
Now, I shared with you before, you know, for me, that, that effort has to come first thing in the morning. And really, there's two main reasons for me that it has to come first thing in the morning. One is that my life is busy. My life is busy, and I need to spend time with God before I step into that busyness. Because I have found for myself, if I, don't step, if I don't spend time with the Lord before I step into that busyness, what happens is I become consumed with the busyness. And spending time with God gets pushed back and pushed back until it's time to go to bed and I'm laying in bed and I think, oh man, I did. Sometimes it's not even until the next day. Oh man, I didn't. You know, I... The other reason for me is... is um, uh, you know the my my, uh, my lack of focus. Um, you know ADD, and you know we kind of make a joke about that sometimes, but um, it's true for me. I'm very easily distracted, and you know what my biggest distraction is? Me. I interrupt myself more than any of you ever have. Yeah, and so if I don't stop, if I don't, well, start my day, if I don't stop and take time for myself in the morning, you see, then I, I end up not, not seeking the Lord. And I, I you know, I, I end up with it, with it being set aside, and I don't want that to happen. The second application of the warning, you know, while he may be found or while he is near, uh, is this. Life is short. You know, life is short. Psalm 95 said, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 says, It is appointed for people to die once, and after this, the judgment. You see, a time, you know, time is short. Uh, this life is the opportunity when we have to find the Lord. You know, when, when we die, and, and we all will, then it's too late. You know, he, he, he tells us, uh, Psalm 115, verse 17, It is not the dead who praise the Lord, nor any of those descending into the silence of death. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, There is one fate for everyone. In addition... The hearts of people are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live. After that, they go to the dead. Make a deliberate, diligent, intentional effort to move toward and connect with God. Verse 7 says, Let the wicked one abandon his way, and the sinful one his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord so that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will freely forgive. That's the picture of repentance right there. Turning from your old way of living, you know, turning from that, you know, from the way where you ignored God, you know, from the way where you ignored God either by default or with intention. You know, it happens both ways. We ignore God by default because we allow things to get too busy because we get too consumed with other things and we sometimes ignore God by intention. That it is our intention to ignore God. You see, because if I don't ignore God, then I have to admit, then I have to admit that, you know, I, I'm, I'm 
not really living my life like I need to, like I should be. I'm not really the person that I want to be even. And so if I ignore God, maybe, maybe it'll all go away and get better, but it doesn't. Uh, abandoning your own way, coming to God for life, embracing Him, living for Him, living with Him. This is what this is what is pictured here. You know, it's not just a it's not just a turning from your old self-directed way of living, but also turning to God and embracing His way of living. Let the wicked one abandon his way. Let him return to the Lord. It's a turning from and a turning to. You see, there's that, that whole picture, that whole reality. You, you turn from, you know, you turn from his, your way and you turn to the Lord. You turn to the Lord's way. You, know, you, you return to, you know, to what all that he has for you. It's a whole new life. That's why in the third chapter of John, Jesus, as he's speaking with Nicodemus, Nicodemus he refers to it as being born again. Why? Because it's this new life. It's that whole picture. It's not just a partial change. It's a total surrender, a total coming to God. Let the wicked one abandon his way, it says. Abandon, to forsake, to leave behind, to relinquish. It, it's used of a word to loosen the bonds of and, and let go of a beast. To abandon his own way and let him return to the Lord. An entirely new, whole new life is what's needed. But we hesitate. We hesitate because we know what we've done. We know, we know what thoughts we've had. We know the desires that we battle and so we hesitate. You know, we, we don't know how God would ever accept us as we are. We underestimate his forgiveness. Look again at verse 7. Let the wicked one abandon his way and the sinful one his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord so he may have compassion on him. Not so that he can beat you up. Not so he can whack you in the head, you know, with the knobby end of the stick. It's so that he can have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will freely forgive. You see, there it is. When you turn from your own way and you turn to the Lord, he forgives. He forgives. You know, I, I don't know what kind of, well, I do know what kind of parents some of you had, because I know some of your parents. Uh, you know, but, um, you know, it's not like somebody training a dog, you know, and they rub their face in the mess they make, you know, to let them know. I don't know what you're supposed, what that's supposed to let them know, but um, you know, it, 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 and we think that way about God sometimes, and that's not how God is. God is not trying to, not not trying to uh, get us to see what a what a horrible person we are. He is trying to get us to see what a loving, forgiving God He is. We, we, we make it about us. If we begin making it about God, you see, it'll, it'll be much easier. You know, it's, you know, to know that He forgives. We were, we are in Job in our Sunday school class this morning. And, uh, well, we're, we're studying Hebrews. Dean had us start in Job this morning. 
And so in Job chapter 9, he, he pointed out these verses, and it, it just really grabbed my attention. Uh, you know, it said, Job is speaking. He says, if I said, Job, now remember who Job is. Job is the guy who God said, look at this dude here. Look what a good guy he is. Look at how well he is doing and living for me. You know, and Satan says, you know, he's not really that good. And God said, you know, God is holding up Job as a, as a righteous person. Well, then, the ten, you know, he, Job loses all this stuff as, as God and Satan are having this discussion. Well, and here's part of Job's reply in chapter 9. Job says, if I said, I will forget my complaint, change my expression and smile, I would still live in terror of all my pains. I know that you will not acquit me. I know you will not acquit me. Here it is, the one who God, who God is saying, here's a guy who is after my own heart. Here is somebody who, you know, here is somebody that we can hold up and say, you know, here is what you should be like. And he is saying, I, I, I know you, will, you won't acquit me. You know, we say, you know, yeah, I know God forgives, but, you know, he, he, won't, he won't acquit me. You know, he won't forgive me. We underestimate his forgiveness. The word translated freely here, where it says he will freely forgive, it, it means to increase in abundance, to enlarge, excel, exceeding, make greater, increase, to be multiplied, to be numerous. This is what he's talking about when he will freely, you know, when he will freely. Several of the other translations, well, they're actually split about half and half. Some of them say that he will abundantly pardon we underestimate the level, we underestimate the degree, the preponderance of forgiveness that he, that he gives. That's the next two verses. Tell us that, verse 8 and 9, my thoughts are not your thoughts, your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. He, what he's saying is you don't understand, you don't understand how, how great my forgiveness is. He says, for as the heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Those two verses are to drive home the level of forgiveness that he gives. He will freely forgive, it says. He will abundantly pardon. You know, his ways are higher. Uh, his ways are, are bolder, are stronger than us. Let me try to picture this for you. A number of years ago... Um, over 30 because it was before we came here um, you know we went to Niagara Falls they're impressive I mean they, they I, I don't know if you've ever been there but they are impressive we took a ride on a boat called the Maid of the Mist this is the Maid of the Mist there and and um, I'm we're down on the lower deck on uh, uh, on, on the side toward the falls, uh, oh, we were, but you know, this isn't a picture. I don't know. Maybe it is a picture, and we were there. Um, you know, it gets up quite close to the to the foot of the falls there. Now, I'm down here on this little boat, which seemed much larger when it was at the dock. It seemed a lot bigger. We were we were on that boat, and we were on the lower deck. You know, and the people. We all had these. Blue raincoats. Now they give you disposable ones. But uh, you know, so we're on the deck and uh, we're down there, and they have metal railings which are welded to the deck, which we were very grateful for, 
Because as we're getting up to this part, you know, of it, and it's turning, and I'm looking, and that water's just churning like crazy. And now starts running across this deck that we're standing on. About ankle deep. Peter was about this high. And the girl said, oh, Dad, hold on to, you know, hold on to Peter. You know, and, and, and so, you know, th- this, is, this is what's going on. You know, and I'm down there on, on this little boat, and, you know, and we get up to these falls, and it is simply massive amounts of water coming over this thing. Massive. We went, you know, later we were able to drive up around the side, and you can walk over and look. It is incredible, the amount of water that's coming over there. Now, somebody did the calculations. It wasn't me. Yeah, and they said that it has six million cubic feet of water going over the falls every minute. Six million cubic feet is forty-four million eight hundred thirty-three thousand one hundred twenty gallons every minute. You know, that, I mean, that's sixty-four billion. You can read the number. Gallons a day that goes over the falls. And I thought, what is that? So I checked. That is enough water to supply the entire city of Chicago with water. And you would still have 13.5 million gallons left over every minute. Every minute. At the end of the day, you would have supplied Chicago, you know, you would have supplied all, all, you know, those millions and millions of people with water, and you would still have 19 and a half billion gallons of water left. That is how much water comes over that thing. You can't stop it. You can't contain it. It overpowers you. It overwhelms you. It keeps on coming. It is unstoppable. That is the picture. Of God freely forgiving. Of God abundantly pardoning when you come to Him. Let the wicked one abandon his way and the sinful one his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord so he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for He will freely, abundantly forgive. The last two verses for today. Verse 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as the heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see, we have limits on our forgiveness. God does not. Even those people that we love the most... If they step over this certain line, if they step over this particular line, we will struggle with forgiveness. It may be something that we we might never get over. God does not have that problem. God does not have that limit. Notice again, let him return to the Lord so that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will freely forgive. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. 
Your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as heaven is higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. He forgives beyond what we can fathom. We would have a very hard time forgiving someone who killed our child. If someone took our child's life, oh my gosh, that would be devastating. And then if they intentionally did that, if they deliberately, repeatedly did something that killed my child and they did it over and over again, we would want vengeance. We would want them to pay for what they did. We are the ones who intentionally, deliberately, repeatedly did things and do things that caused the death of Jesus Christ, that caused the death of God's Son. And instead of vengeance, God forgives us. Let the wicked one abandon his way and the sinful one his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord so he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will freely, he will abundantly forgive. And so we add to our list of what we see of Jesus' heart in this series. He cares, he understands, he persists, he intercedes, he connects, he comforts, he's faithful. And he forgives. Let's pray. Lord, here is where thank you seems so inadequate. We are humbled. We are humbled by your forgiveness. We are also blessed by your forgiveness. It's not because of who we are, it's because of who you are that you forgive. We have a great, deep need. And you have an even greater and even deeper forgiveness for us. Help us not to walk away. Help us not to run away. Help us not to buy the lie of the enemy that says we cannot be forgiven. Help us to remember that you abundantly, freely forgive as we come to you. Move it from our head to our heart. Move it from just knowing to living. Living in that free and the freedom of the forgiveness that only comes from you, we pray. In Christ's name. Amen.